Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello everyone. I am really, really sorry. Um, Sorry I'm so late. Sorry if any of you have been waiting for the show to start. Um, But I've had infuriating technical problems with my stream again. So I don't know whether it's going to be possible uh, to do the show. But um, if any of you can just put a comment in the box just to see whether you can hear me okay, see me okay, and whether I'm badly lagging due to the internet issues I'm having at the moment, pop a comment in there, just let me know. But I've tried with all the guests that I had on uh, due to come on today, and it's not working properly, uh, no matter what I've been doing. So I'm really, really apologetic if that's the case. I'm going to see whether I can do something on my own, whether uh, shortening the bandwidth, not having any guests on, is going to make a bit of a difference. So if you're happy with that, and I'm happy with that, and if it work, if it's working, then great. Um, so initially, I wanted to talk about the um, Olympiakos midway point, what happened last week and what's going to happen tomorrow, hopefully. Uh, I need your input because I am all on my lonesome. So I want some questions and some comments in the box, please. That would be fantastic um, that we can discuss through together and interact that way. But last uh, last week with the Olympiakos tie, um, it was very uh, different points of view that were coming across on Twitter, social media, uh, the podcast I've been listening to, and very, very different opinions that were going around about the match. I thought personally that there couldn't be much more of a better away performance in Europe than we, than we actually did with the squad that we've got. It was a really tricky tie. Uh, everyone knew that it was going to be very difficult. It's never easy going to these teams, especially Olympiakos with the form that they've been having this year. Um, the, only, the only match they'd lost was um, against Bayern Munich, which is 3-2, I believe, earlier on in the Champions League. And we all saw what Bayern Munich have done to Tottenham and to Chelsea this season, um, uh, including the, obviously yesterday. And it's a difficult uh, place to go. They always are in Greece and uh, places like Turkey, etc. It's very intimidating atmosphere. We've got a lot of young players who, and obviously a young manager who's never managed in Europe before. I think overall, um, there with a with a one nil win, and I'm delighted with it. I am, you know, a clean sheet and, and an away goal. I don't think we can going to get much better than that. So. With the match tomorrow, um, I think it's going to be obviously easier being at home. I don't think they're going to find it easy. I just hope that we can get a good big crowd going and make it intimidating for them on the night. Because, you know, it, that, that's going to be a big, big factor. And I think under Arteta, the uh, the crowd have been absolutely fantastic at the Emirates. I think it's been uh, a, you know, far more buoyant atmosphere and uh, everyone's been getting behind the team, even against uh, Everton the other day when we went behind so early. Um, 
I, I think it was uh, it never stopped, never stopped, and you know the, the crowd were getting behind the team. It comes across really, really well uh, when you're watching remotely. Uh, when I was in the ground uh, against Newcastle, I thought the, the fans were fantastic that night as well. So I think a lot of it will depend on uh, how we get behind them. I'm, I, I'm hopeful of a, a pretty decent turnout tomorrow um, at home. I hope that's the case anyway. Um, it's, a, it's a bit uh, annoying when you see all the empty seats. Obviously, the attendance gets reported all the time There's uh, as being a, a capacity sellout. And I know technically that's the case, but uh, something's got to be done. I don't know whether you guys think about this, but um, when you've bought your, your tickets in advance with your season ticket and, and just don't bother turning up, it's, it's, I find that infuriating, really, that... You know, clubs are across the continent are doing things about that. I think um, it could be Dortmund actually that's uh, put a stop to that. That if you're not going to turn up, then you know you lose your, your season ticket after so many times that you haven't turned up for the match. I think something like that's got to be done really because there's a lot of good fans that are desperate to be going, and it just takes a piss a bit really when you just can't be asked to turn up uh, of a night, but. Let me know what you think on that, but I don't know what the answer is. I, I, I'm not paid to do that. I'm not an expert in that, but I think to do with, you know, the, the ticket exchange system, I think something should be uh, utilised as far as that's concerned. But tomorrow, it very much looks like um, Lacazette's going to be starting, uh, considering the fact that he was uh, in the press conference today. I watched it live during my lunch break today, and... Um, Lacazette didn't look happy at all. I mean, he said all the right things. Uh, one of the reporters put it to him about um, a report, which I haven't seen, actually, that came out this morning saying that he's got the right, you know, he's negotiated the right to leave at the end of the season if we don't get Champions League football. And he looked very surprised and shocked at that. Or did he? Was he putting that on? Mikel Arteta didn't look very happy when it was brought up. But Lacazette batted it away and said that, well, I didn't know about that. You know, it's news to me. Um, so hopefully that's the case. Um, I mean, this is one of the things we're going to be discussing tonight but with regards to Lacazette, but whether it will be the end of the world if he left in the summer, I'm not so sure. I don't think it will be. Um, not that I don't like the guy, I really do, but... Um, if he's not heart's not in it, then I really do think we definitely need to get rid of him. But even if his heart is in it and he's only got like a couple of years left on his, on his contract come this summer, then it's going to be difficult to decide what to do. And I think that um, genuinely that Gabriel Martinelli is ready to, from next season, just be given the mantle to to have a first team place. I mean, people will say he's very young. Oh God, no, he's too young to put that. Well, I'm I'm sorry, but look at our Erling Haaland, who's only nineteen. Not much difference in age. Look at what um, Mbappe's been doing at his age over the last two or three years. He won a World Cup when he was a similar age, and. I don't think that's going to be an issue for Gabriel Martinelli. He's got the broad shoulders and the confidence to be able to take that on. So if we were to sell, for example, Aubameyang and Lacazette, then I don't think we need to buy two people. Because I think that 
Martinelli will definitely be able to take on the mantle of uh, a starting berth every week, but and it's going to save us an awful lot of money. And it also depends how quickly and how many opportunities Eddie's going to get between now and the end of the season uh, as well. Because if he carries on the way he's been playing the last couple of games, um, then that's going to be an interesting situation to have to deal with in the summer. But it's all good. It's all good situations. I'm not complaining about it one bit. But I think tomorrow, with the lineup, um, he's going to go strong. I think it's going to be a similar sort of situation to the, the, the team that he played against Olympiacos. Um, and he'll be able to rotate the team a bit more when it comes to the FA Cup game uh, next week. Um, it's such a, a, a sad situation. I wasn't sad to see um, Klasnach go off at the weekend because we all want Saka to play, but he needs a rest, and uh, that was the idea. Obviously, uh, putting him on the bench to start off with. But now that Klasnach has got this injury, I don't know how long he's going to be out for, but uh, it doesn't look good, according to Arteta. So now we're back to just one fit left back uh, at the moment. But Tierney is due to come back in March. And technically, Monday is in March. So I don't know whether it's going to be the year, uh, early part of March, middle, end, that Tierney's back. But he has been in full training for the last... Um, I don't know, about a week or so at least. So I've heard on a couple of podcasts that he's potentially back on Monday for the FA Cup game. And if that's the case, then that's brilliant. Perfect timing because um, we don't want to knacker out Bukayo Saka for obvious reasons. Um, but he's going to looks like he's definitely going to have to play tomorrow. Um, so I think the the... The team will probably be very similar to the one that was played last week. And I won't be surprised if Socrates goes back to left to right back again. And it opens up the question again, which I know everyone's asking, but uh, about Ainsley Maitland-Niles. And I can only see that the issue with Ainsley Maitland-Niles is down to him not wanting to play and not being flexible enough to play right backs um, and coming out publicly and saying it. Now, We've probably all heard the comments from Mikel Arteta about um, Bukayo Saka and his attitude and the fact that um, he's accepted this new role, wants to prove himself in this new role and is happy to take this new role in order to play first-team football for Arsenal. And um, him making those uh, comments about him really lead you to understand the problem that Mikel Arteta has probably got with Ainsley Maitland-Niles. It's just so strange when he was one of the best players on the pitch in Mikel Arteta's first five games uh, after taking over. We all were praising Maitland-Niles' performances. So it is very odd that he's just been seemingly put into a cannon and shot into the middle of the sun since. Although he has made... Uh, an appearance for a minute here and a minute there um, since, but um, his total emission and the fact that Socrates is playing ahead of him at right back is very, very strange and very odd. Uh, he may be just um, having to be put in his place, maybe taking down a peg or two uh, by Arteta, and maybe we'll all be surprised and he'll actually play tomorrow. Um but it is, it is an odd one. Everyone, I think, would rather see him play than um, Socrates at right back. Um, 
so we'll have to wait and see. There's no doubt that we've been surprised every now and then by um, some choices that uh, Arteta has made. So, but at the end of the day, I wouldn't be surprised to see Louise and um, Mustafi in the centre of defence again. Uh, although I would love to see um, Pablo Mari. I think he will more likely get his debut in the FA Cup, I'd imagine. Um, but uh, I've been really enjoying Sabahas' performances. Uh, everyone knows what I think about Sabahas. And um, it was a surprise when he came back into the team uh, about three matches ago. But I couldn't be more happy, to be perfectly honest, because he really needs to prove himself between now and the end of the season. And these rumours that are going around about Thomas Partey and us um, activating his release clause fee, I mean, that's so very exciting. And it leads me on to, to sort of daydreaming about a partnership, a dual pivot at the back of um, Party and Sabios. And I think that would offer us so much and it would be so exciting uh, with Sabios' um, ability on the ball, um, total comfort on the ball and his underrated tackling of uh, of the ball as well. Um, I was actually watching the last game on NBC because I couldn't get a decent stream on Sky Sports and um I got a really good stream with NBC, and they actually said that Sabios is shockingly turning into a, a real midfield enforcer uh, against Everton, and it was the case. I mean, he had a steamy, brilliant second half, in my opinion. He, he ran out of legs a bit when he went off, but um, up until that point, I think uh, it, the whole team really had a bit of a dodgy start to the match, but uh, he really picked up quickly. And the way that he sort of feints to go one way and sort of goes the other way within a split second and sort of completely wrong foots the opposition. It's fantastic. And he's got a really good pass on him and he's very, very press resistant. And if you had someone like him playing alongside Thomas Party next season, that'd be very exciting because it would offer pretty much everything. Um, Party offering the pace, power, the, um, the aggression and the box-to-box mentality that he's got. Um, also can score a goal, um, as we all saw not long ago. It, it would be a very mouth-watering um, double pivot in front of the back four, uh, as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, I really want to see Sabias really prove himself and cement a place in the squad uh, in the in the running now, the last 11 games in the Premier League. So, yeah, very delighted with that. Um, I, I couldn't help but laugh, really, when I read the reports about um, the real reasons Gwendozi was dropped for these, his behaviour uh, in Dubai. Sort of jumping up and, and taking off his shirt and, and swinging it around above his head and Edu having to step in. I thought that was really hilarious. And uh, we all love him uh, for that sort of real sort of character that he's got. And uh, But it, it's also very, very positive that Arteta is taking the role of being an Arsenal player very, very seriously. And I do like that. And setting the standards and setting the class back into the club, I think it's a very important thing. So I'm happy in both ways, really, that um, Gwendouzi is Gwendouzi. And the fact that, um, you know, 
he's going to have to fall into line and, and really sort of toe the line with regards to our standards and, and class as a club. So it was positive all around. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him tomorrow uh, because I think that the, the midfield is due a bit of a reshuffle. And I liked um, the way he was brought on against Everton um, in the sort of the number 10 role instead of Ozil and uh, the pressing he was doing. And it obviously led to the shot that nearly created Eddie Nketiah's um, second goal, which very, very unlucky when he hit the post and sort of crossbar almost simultaneously within that uh, that shot. It would have been a brilliant goal, brilliant finish. And um, yeah, I quite like that. Um, especially if, if he's utilised in that sort of role in the last sort of 20, 30 minutes of a game when it he just makes a pest of himself and um, creates an extra headache for the sort of defensive midfielders and the midfield, and sorry, the defence uh, for the opposition. I thought he, he did that really, really well. And in certain games when we are made protecting a lead, rather than to bring on a sort of defensive midfielder to sort of shore things up at the back, I think that's a really good defensive option to have to shove him on in that sort of more forward role and just, uh, yeah, just snap around like a, a little Yorkshire Terrier. Um, quite a, a, a really good idea, I think, from, from Arteta. He's been getting a bit of stick, really, for his um, substitutions and it is something that he's learning as he goes along and I think they're, they're getting better and better and as yeah, as, as each match progresses. And the problem is, on far too many occasions, he's had one of his um, substitutions taken away, really, because of injury, um, because of a sending off, or whatever, whatever it may have been. Um, he's lost one of them straight away, like uh, he did against Everton with Klasnatch's injury after 14 minutes. And that's a shame, because it, uh, it does detract from the tactical substitutions he can make further down the line. But I think the ones that he is making, especially the last two or three games, are getting more and more understandable and more sensible. And um, yeah, that was Gwendouzi one, I thought was a, a bit of a, a stroke of genius, really. So I was quite happy with that. And uh, with regards to the forwards, I think I'm, I'm almost certain that Martinelli will come back tomorrow. Uh, he was taking out the squad completely um, against Everton. And I think that's basically to keep... It's very smart. Just keeps his feet on the ground and it just gives him a rest, obviously. Um, I'm almost certain he'll come back for the next couple of games. And I'm uh, just a bit uh, up in the air, really, whether he will be playing back on the left, which is very comfortable in, or whether he'll play through the middle. But I'll, if I was to hedge my bets, I'd say go back on the left. Nketi will carry on up front. Sorry, no, Nketi won't carry on up front, I beg your pardon. I think that Lacazette will start up front, down the middle. And I probably think that... Um, I don't think Pepe will start. I think it'll probably be... Um, His name got completely out of my head. Reese Nelson. I don't know what's wrong with me then. Reese Nelson probably will come in on the right, which I'd be quite happy with. And we know that um, it's got Arteta's got a lot of belief in Reese Nelson. So 
and he was playing really well um, in the early days of uh, Arteta's reign. So I'd be quite happy to see Reese Nelson on the right, Martinelli on the left, and uh, Lacazette in the middle. I think that'd be uh, quite a good, you know, front three to have a look at tomorrow. And it, you know, it it could be the same also for the FA Cup match in in reality. But um, I'm quite confident that we're going to get the result tomorrow. I wasn't um, before the away game. I was absolutely delighted with the result we got in the end. But um, with the match tomorrow, I'm a lot more comfortable that we're going to get the result. And as each match progresses as well, I get less and less concerned about uh, us performing well in it and not doing well. I think we, I fancy our chances against anyone now under Arteta, and that's a fantastic feeling to have. So with regards to the Everton game, um, I was really happy with that as well. We did make a couple of defensive um, mix-ups. Uh, Klasnach showed his rustiness um, by playing the uh, opposition player on side, wrestling him and not paying any attention to where the ball was and the, the free kick that came in. That, that was really disappointing from Klasnach. And I know that... Um, Louise could have done better with the header. Um, Leno could have done better with this with their second goal. So we did make a couple of defensive mix-ups, but a lot has to be said with our determination, our mental strength, and the fact that we played three games in seven days and they hadn't played a game for fifteen days. That's going to take its toll. The fact that we didn't get back from Greece until Friday. Um, late afternoon, early evening, that's got to play a part in it as well. Although I think that was very smart management by Arteta, deciding to, because it was a local 10 o'clock kickoff, uh, the match didn't finish till best part, or didn't get out of the ground till after 12 o'clock. So he decided to have a, a good night's sleep, uh, a good meal before they came back. And I think that played its part in the win to, against Everton. So it was smart management. But it, it does take its toll having three games in seven days. And um, playing against a team that is also on very good form and under a, a very strong manager, got good players, and um, I, I couldn't be happier with the win. It was a big, big game as far as I was concerned with regards to moment, momentum, continuing the winning run and getting up the table. And the fact that we are only seven points, I believe, behind fourth place is going to make... Uh, regardless, of, we just have to take it one game at a time to creep up the table. People in the league uh, above us are definitely going to start looking over their shoulders at us because we are getting better and better, getting more consistent. We're picking up results. We've scored eight goals in three games. So that's going a big, big way to solving our issues at the top of the pitch because people were complaining that we weren't uh, being attacking enough, scoring enough goals. The last three games... Uh, the last two Premier League games is specifically, obviously, um, we've scored seven goals and it's going in the right direction. So I'm really, really uh, pleased as far as that's concerned. And people are going to start sitting up and taking notice of us and they're going to be looking over their shoulders, especially Spurs, especially Man United and especially Chelsea. They are going to be concerned about our pickup in form and the fact that they're still very erratic. So even if we... Uh, just keep plodding along. We've got a good uh, few games coming up that we can pick up points. The top 
teams, the, the teams above us are all playing each other um, over the next uh, three or four weeks and they're going to be taking points off each other. And even if they draw and we win it's, and we claw, keep clawing the other two points here and there, or even if we only draw and they lose, it, it's still, we're going to be picking up on them uh, week after week. So I don't think this seven points is very insurmountable over the next 11 games. There's 33 points left to play for. And Chelsea especially, Spurs especially, Man United, you never know which ones are going to turn up from one, one match to the next. And we are getting far more strong and consistent as each game progresses under Arteta. And I feel we're going to have a much stronger end of season than they are. So I don't, uh, I'm definitely not banking on this fifth place business. I don't think that Man City will take this line down. They've, they've hired the guy as a solicitor that's cancelled Brexit twice. So <laughs> they know what they're doing. And they've got more, as I said last week, they've got more money than UEFA. So they're not going to be taking this line down. And I can see that they're going to get this ban either overturned or prolonged in the and tie it up in the legal system, legal process. So I'm not banking on this fifth place at all. We've got to go for fourth or above. And I can see it as possible. So um, we can't relax. We can't sort of um, just try things out uh, in the Premier League. We've got to go for it. We've got to play our strongest team in each match. And... If we're going to experiment, we're going to have to use the FA Cup, in my opinion, um, and not the Premier League or the Europa League. Um, if we safely get past Olympiacos tomorrow, which I'm very uncomfortable and confident that we will, then I, I've got a big, strong feeling that um, the teams we really want to avoid are going to be the other British teams in Man United and Wolves. Definitely Wolves. I th I'm concerned about them. I mean, I think they could beat anyone on their day. Um, and I think they're really going to go all out for this Europa League. You know, I uh, I think they, they believe that they can win it. And they're not wrong. They could. And they are the team I really, really would like to avoid. I'd rather play Inter Milan, the Wolves or Man United, if I'm completely honest. Because Inter Milan have got bigger fish to fry in their league. They've are desperate to win their division and they haven't done it for so long with Juventus being the dominant force there. And it's a real fight between Milan, Juve and Lazio over in Italy. So I genuinely think that they are going to be um, prioritising that. Um, bear with me a second. Let's see if this works. Hello, Max. I don't know whether you can hear me or not. I'm having some te te technical issues. I can hear you, mate. If you can hear me. Can you hear me? Fantastic. There might be a bit of... Yes, I can. Welcome. Awesome. Yeah, cheers, bud. It's a, we've got a little bit of delay, so we'll just have to allow for it and try not to speak yeah. over each other a bit, which, as you know, is difficult for me on my channel, let alone on your channel. Well, let's pretend we're on walkie-talkies, and at the end of each uh, sentence when you finish, just say that. Too easy, pal. Um, you've only got me for half an hour. I <laughs> fucked up and double booked. I'm over on the Aspros doing a uh, doing a confessional. Manny's decided to be a priest, and he's going to hear our Arsenal sins. So I had to come up with a couple of sins. But you got me for half an hour, mate. 
Well, I saw one of your scenes on Twitter that you put down. Um, oh, bloody hell, what was it now? Um, oh, yes, under Emery, we played more attacking ball than under Arteta. No, not not exactly. Emery, honestly. But it was, not I, that, exactly. That I, I, just I, I said, I said, I confess that I saw more of an attacking identity in the good period of Unai Emery in the good period of Unai Emery than I have seen in the good period of Arteta. Now, that's by no means me saying that I think that Emery was a better coach. It's just my way of saying I don't think any of the attacking football has been nailed from an Arsenal perspective yet. I've thought, oh, you're kidding me. Well, I think he's just pulled his uh, internet cable out by the looks of it. <laughs> well, I have to disagree. And I, one thing I'll pick you up on, Max, is that there was no good period of Unai Emery. End of. So we'll see whether he can come back on. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I want to forget that the Unai Emery period ever existed personally are you back there max no it doesn't seem like he's back on at the moment but yeah i would prefer um as i was saying inter milan because of that fact but hang on i think max may be back i fucking hate technology max are you there I am, mate. Just complaining about how much I fucking hate technology. Mate, me too. I've had issues galore tonight. It's been a nightmare. I didn't think I was going to be doing a live show because of the issues I've been having. But I just said when you went off that the thing, major thing I disagree with, with what you just said, is that there was no good era, a period under Unai Emery because... He's Uman Emery, and he was in charge of Arsenal. And <laughs> any period that we had under him was a good one. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I want to ask you a question before you jump in. I I was just saying before you joined that, and I can explain it afterwards. But I would actually prefer if we get past Olympiacos tomorrow, which I, I'm very confident we will. I I would prefer to play Inter Milan than either of Manchester United or Wolves because Inter Milan have got a lot more on the plate with regards to trying to retain their division, their fight. They've got a big fight under um, in their in their league with Lazio and, and Juventus and they're very much running to win the league. And I think they're going to prioritise that over any kind of Europa League run. But I think Manchester and then more than, more than Man United, I think Wolves are going to go all out to win this competition. And they've got this, they've got the talent to do it, so I would rather avoid them at all costs. I would take into Milan over them as as uh, in the next round if we get that far. What do you think on that? Over. <laughs> uh, I think the I think the logic is really really strong, Andrew. Uh, I said something very similar on um, one of our group feeds, one of the, one of the ones you're in with us, um, saying that Wolves is the bogey team. Wolves is the team I don't want to play. I wouldn't mind playing Wolves in a final. 
because you know they're a small oh, club and, and they're not used to being there. But in the lead up and in the quarters when they're really going at it and they're diehard and they're gung ho, I think back to like the Fulham team that made it through to the final who just decimated everyone in their path. I think it was under Roy Hodgson. Um, so I wouldn't want to play them. So I actually think I said I would have Manu or I'd have Inter. I'd have Manu because I think they're a terrible fucking football team and we've already beaten them, so we'd be confident. But I agree with you completely. A team like Inter Milan, I think you would argue that they've almost already got Champions League football wrapped up for next season or very close to having Champions League mm. football wrapped up for next season. And they may very well just throw out a, a second team against us and and I reckon we'd probably I reckon we'd probably get past them. So good logic, good logic, Andrew. I'd say probably the best team out of the three, but I agree with you that there's they're probably the team that you want to play. I, uh, yeah, I, I, but the thing is with Man United, um, we all we all know that they've had some really big scalps this year. They've, they've had problems with all the lower sort of ranked teams in the league, but they've really turned it on and turned up against all the big sides this season. They've beaten Man mm. City twice. They've, they've you know, beaten pretty much everyone at the. And they can turn it on in a one-off situation. So I'd rather avoid them until further down the line as well, if necessary. Mm-hmm. Try and let someone else knock them out, if I'm completely honest. Because yeah, they're, a, they're a pulsy yeah, they, team, they though, just devastating they? every now and then. Oh, they're, they're terrible. They're yeah. absolutely terrible, and I hate them. But um, <laughs> they you can't deny the fact they can beat the best teams on their day. Uh, yeah, look, but they're, they're a pulsy team. You know, and I think it's interesting, um, not just for them, but also for us, for a lot of teams in the Premier League now, how much some of the big clubs seem to struggle against some of the smaller clubs or some of the smaller clubs in the top half of the table. It's almost like Mm. we don't have the technical proficiency in some of these big clubs. I think Manu and Arsenal have some real synergies, that there's some big holes, and especially in the way they progress the ball from the back to the front. I, I think there's good players or decent players in both teams, and there's really bad players in both teams. Um, but I do find it interesting. I find it interesting with Arsenal and Manu as well, how if you set up for us not to score against you, we seem to have massive problems breaking you down. And as an Arsenal fan, I would actually almost rather play a team who's going to come out and play against us now. Maybe not. I don't think we're good enough to go out and give Liverpool's and and even maybe Cities. City aren't even that good this year, really. But a, a real go. But all that middle bit, I don't mind us against those teams because they want to play. I think that's the same thing with Man U. That's why they've struggled so much against the Minnows because they just set up in a low block and don't seem to have the technical proficiency to break it down. That's why I think Ceballos has come into the team, and that's why Arteta's decided he doesn't fancy Torreira, because Torreira doesn't have the mid-range final third entry passing. He's a short spaces player, and I think Arteta's looked at that and said, no, for us to penetrate, we need to get balls through the lines, and that's what Ceballos has done so well. Absolutely, yeah. I, I I totally agree. That's exactly the reason why he's brought Sabayos back into the team. That's exactly the reason why I've been banging the Sabayos drum all season. I've, I love the guy and I'm absolutely delighted that he's actually going to get a run in the team now to try and prove himself between now and the end of the season because I was very much under the impression that we were going to not play him and just let him go back in the summer 
and it would be such a wasted opportunity because I can see such a good player inside of him and he will benefit so much with having coaching of Arteta um, under his belt. He's going to be a very, very strong player um, if he can stay under the guidance of Arteta. Uh, I firmly believe that. I think he's got everything, really. Apart from Pace, a hundred times, you don't need Pace for the role that he's going to be He's got that good short burst where he can fake to go one way and go the other way and completely bamboozle the defender. Um, and he can create that couple of yards. And that's all he needs, really. He's not fast over long long um, areas. But like I said, he doesn't need that in the role that I think Artes has got earmarked for him within the team. But yeah, he, we proved dramatically. And you, the way we're talking about... Um, the opposition putting up a, a very deep block. I mean, I know they're not the greatest, but Newcastle obviously did that against us. Very, very strong. They virtually had five along the back, and we beat them 4-0 uh, quite comfortably in the end. And they have shut out a lot of other teams this season. They've not been the easiest team to play against. I know they've had a couple of hidings against Leicester, as I was reminded at work, because I work with a lot of Leicester fans. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> They are not. They've actually done against some of the bigger teams. They um, did they beat or draw against Man City? I think. Uh, but yeah, they've, had, they've they've played well, and they've been. They haven't taken many hidings this season. They've, they've defended quite well. They haven't scored, but we we sort of took them apart in that second half very comfortably. And I wouldn't I wouldn't fancy our chances against the bloody, a better team that doing that. The fucking Atletico Madrid. But against a team that's on a similar level to us, I've got more confidence now that we can actually do something. We're, we're a bit more productive at the other end of the pitch because to what, another argument against what you were saying about um, seeing more sort of attack and fluidity under Emery occasions, in the last week, we scored eight goals in the last three games. And that's saying something that we're stepping in the right direction, don't you think? Uh, no, I don't. And it's I, not the I, finished article, but we're certainly no, stepping no. step in the right direction. Yeah, like I've been trying really, really hard not to be a negative Nancy because all the boys on Ask Bros have been have been pounding me a bit for being a little bit negative. But I personally thought that the last three games against Newcastle, Olympiacos, and Everton were terrible. I and and hear me out, right? Because and I know Manny's already heard me say this, and he said it was stupid. And I said I know it's stupid, but just hear me out. Except for the goals, we were crap. And I know that's a stupid statement. I know you have to score the goals, and I know you score the goals to win. But I, I guess if I'm looking at a 360 degree view of the progression of the team, I'm not massively excited by it. I'm excited by the fact that we're winning. I'm excited by the fact that we're more durable. I'm excited by the fact that we're picking up points. And I put up a tweet uh, where I said the thing that excited me about those games wasn't the fact that I thought that we were really good or I thought that we had some really visual attacking idea of what we were doing. The thing that excited me about those games, I thought in all of them we fought and we fought throughout the game. And like you said, in Newcastle, they made it very hard for us. And then we blew it away in a period at the end. I think that's more of a mentality thing than a technical proficiency thing. Uh, against Olympiacos, it was 
you know, a very bitty game. They kicked the shit out of Genduzi, really kicked the shit out of Genduzi. Um, and we came through that and we got our goal against Everton. You know, we went down, we came back. So I'm not making statements that I don't think the team's healthy and that I don't think the team's coming into some kind of at least a period of feeling that there's fight and that there's togetherness there and that the club overall and the feeling around the club has improved and the toxicity has lifted. That's not what I'm sort of getting at. I kind of feel like with the way that, well, there's two things, right? With the way that Arteta is setting us up for a start, I don't think that there's a great deal of fluidity in the front three. And I still think there's disconnection between the midfield and the front three. Now, what my theory on that is, is that in order for him to make our average players look better, it means he's got to protect them. And because those average players need that protection, meaning they need the midfield to sit deeper, they need Jack to be sitting in this deep back three role in order to protect those average players and make them look better because Xhaka looks better under Emery, Louise looks better under Emery, Mustafi looks better under Emery. All of these guys, I know, you, I know you've, you're quite a big Louise fan, but all of these guys Emery. looked a lot more mistake. Oh, sorry, Arteta. All of these guys looked look a lot better <laughs> under Arteta, but I don't think that we look better in the front third. So it's it, it's it's an interesting time for me because, like I said, I am very buoyant on one hand because I'm buoyant with the victories, but I've seen a period of victory before under Unai Emery, actually under Unai Emery this time. Um, and going back through the highlights, going back through the goals that we scored, you know, Ozil's goals at Leicester, Ramsey's goal, uh, Aubameyang's goal, there was some really expansive football played. I'm yet to see the type of expansive football played by Arteta that I want to see, and I hope that that expansive football is to come. I think so. I, I, I think a massive difference will be when he gets his choice left back in place in Kieran Tierney. Because we can push Saka further forward then into his preferred role, and I think they could take they could potentially be quite devastating on the left if they can click. And if we can get Saka further up the field, because let's face it, that's where he does all his good work, not at the back, although he's he's done up at the back, but that's not his position. And would he could be quite devastating if he just let go of his defensive responsibilities, just had to press from the front, and then he had Kieran Tierney behind him and overlapping with him. We can get Aubameyang more in the middle, which is where he's comfortable, or just floating around, let him sort of pre pretty much pick up his own position, comfortable and where the match dictates. And then the same for Pepe on the right. It, it's going to be so much better I mean, this is an obvious, obvious situation. But if we can actually get Arteta backed in the summer, if these rumours, for example, just just humour me for one second, if these rumours, for example, are true that we could potentially unlock the release clause for Thomas Party, Changes everything. And we could have him in the team. Oh, my God. It, it just becomes yep. mouth-watering under yep. Arteta. Absolutely mouth-watering. But I think a big, big thing is actually getting a fit Kieran Tierney in the team so it can release Saka. Just let him off and we can see what he can do. But the, the, the other good thing about that is that he can then rotate with Martinelli on the left. And that could be 
well, it, it's needed. It's absolutely needed because we saw in the second half how much Saka faded after playing mm. three games in a week. Rotation, just squad strength. Yeah, he, sh- he yeah. shouldn't have played. No. I mean, class snatch was awful. God awful. <laughs> I mean, I, I was happy, <laughs> delighted in lots of ways. I don't want him to get injured. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't wish harm on the fella. But it was the best thing that could have happened. But we saw him fade in front of our eyes. Uh, and that was just down to tiredness. Let's face it. He's not a bad passer of the ball at all. But he made some terrible passes, terrible decisions. And that's because he was mentally tired as well as physically tired, I think. Mm. So, yeah, if we could get to get Kieran Tierney at the back and then he could rotate between Martinelli and Saka in front of him, that could be very, very in the end. Saka um, is, a, is a massive player for us moving mm. forward in a number of ways. And I, I, mm. I've said on one of the Ask Bros podcasts recently, I don't think that he can be, you can pigeonhole him. I don't think you, like people who are like, oh, well, you know, now we've got to get rid of Kalasnak and Saka has to get games at left back. And I'm like, the kid's 18. He's been thrown in with all of his confidence mm. and they don't have the weight of the world on them. And he hasn't made mistakes yet. I think that's something interesting as well. With young players, absolutely, they're often great until the pressure of the club turns around on them. Now, something I thought was really interesting, and um, I think Ars Blog brought it up. He didn't go into the depth that I thought he was going to go into, but he brought it up. And he said, when Kalasnak came off, the reaction from the crowd when Saka came on was massive. Cheers, like, like, a, like a legend was coming on, like a saviour was yeah. coming on. Now, some of that, I think, was because Kalasnak was poor. Uh, and I think as as Arsenal fans, we were sitting there thinking like, shit, Kalasnak's been really bad. Um, as the sun comes up and comes through the window into my eyeballs in Australia at 7.20 in the morning. Um, but one thing I thought really interesting there is, you know, what happens when the mistakes get made, when the big mistakes get made? And the Arsenal fan base, as we know the Arsenal fan base are, jump on him. And start having a go at him. And that's the thing with young players. So we're seeing guys in him. We're seeing guys in Martinelli now. Well, there's no pressure. There's no weight of the world on these guys. They haven't made major mistakes. And because they're not expected to be what they're being and they're massive surprises to us, there's all of this goodwill towards them. And I think there's an element, and I've said this over and over again, of pumping the brakes a little bit with these guys when we're talking about them taking up key roles in the next season because they basically had six months of full-fledged, I'm a kid, I can't believe I'm playing for Arsenal, running out, putting in 100% every single week, and it is zero pressure. So massive, massive players for us. Running into next season, Toby and I had this conversation as well. I don't mind the idea if we ran into next season and the two options we had off the left were Martinelli and Saka. Because they're young players, I like the idea that we can pull one out and put one in. So play someone for three or four games as we know young players like to pulse, meaning they play really well for a couple of games and then they need to be pulled down. So we don't... I agree with Toby. I wouldn't hate the idea of Martinelli and Saka off the left interchanging. Um, But I do have an issue with Saka and Tierney being our only two left-back options. And it's funny that I feel that way, but I just think there's less the pressure well, of being a defensive player really versus the pressure of being an attacking player are different. The pressure of having to score goals 
and provide assists from a wide position is different than the pressure of conceding goals at the back. Um, Cedric now as well, who can play left back. He has played left back a lot in the God, past. what is that signing and about? And so is AMN. It, and whose wife it, did AMN covered. shag? It's for debt. I, I can only think that he's been brought down a peg or two because of the way that he thinks that he's got the right to dictate which position he plays in the in the team. Yeah. And I think that he's just being punished. Um, but he can play left back if we're called if he's on, and so can this Cedric Suarez. Uh, and he's been brought in just for the depth because he covers left and right back. He doesn't. Arteta's openly made it obvious that he wants specialists in those fullback positions. He said straight away that AMN is not a right back, and he said straight away that Saka is not a left back. But he's praised Saka's attitude by saying that he, you know, he wants to get in the first team and he's willing to learn the role and do his best in the role. And that's obviously AMN. So that's genuine. It is. He, he's just, um, yeah, it's, it's just being put in his place. He wants, he wants him to sit out and watch how hard Saka and the other youngsters are doing for the team, working hard for the team and, and just getting stuck in with it and getting whether it's their position or not. Because yeah, you've got completely. to face facts. He's never going to make it as a midfielder at Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, we've spoken about him maybe taking on that James Milnery role, that guy who can play three or four different positions and be able to be a rotation-based player. We know that he can play up front wide on the wings. We know he can play either side. We know he's had time at defensive midfield. We know he's been a number eight. Um, you know, all of these things he's very capable of doing. Clearly, there's an issue with him, I would say, in training. We've known about him for a while that he's got that Bob Marley smoke some reefer kind of attitude. He shows it on the ball. He shows mm. it in games. I don't think that's I don't think that's something that then wouldn't transpire onto the training ground. And I think if we've seen the way that he's chinned Gendouzi, um, I can only imagine that the chinning that AMN has received must be even bigger. The difference between Gendouzi and AMN being that Gendouzi is an established player and AMN has never really established himself. Funnily enough, other than in the first three games with Arteta, where AMN, I actually thought it was his best football under Arteta, his most consistent football. I think we well, gave, yeah. I think I think for Arsbros, he was like uh, almost man of the month for us in the in the first month. I think he got, he was like second place for, for man of the month in our weird ranking systems that we do every month. Um, but look, obviously he's like shit in someone's shoes or shagged someone's misses or done something like that and fallen out of favor or he doesn't like to train. Or here's another crazy possibility, you know, that got thrown up a while ago. He may very well have thrown his toys out the pram. He may have said, no, I, I don't want to play right back anymore. Mm. He's done it before. He, he could have done it again. We, we know he doesn't have that same mental fortitude or mental strength that we've seen from Saka and that we've seen from Martinelli where they've taken their opportunities and, and they've just run with it. Uh, it's a real shame because I've said for a long time that I think Ainsley Maitland-Niles is the most complete youth prospect at Arsenal. 
his ability, his skill, his touch, the way he pulls the ball down on his on his little toe out of the sky. Some of the things that I've seen him do are just amazing. And I just hope that he's not one of those kids where it was always so easy for him that now it's got hard, he's going to fall by the wayside. I think it's uh, it's just down to his attitude and the way that he tried to go on the pitch wearing a necklace. He warmed that was up in a stupid. That's that's just the problem. And it, the, the worst thing he could possibly done is talk about he's not right back. Everyone else gets to play in the position that they want. Why can't he? Might as You're well have started crying and rubbing his eyes. Yeah, that's the thing, and he should. He, he thinks he's made it. He thinks he deserves everything that he gets. He thinks he should get everything on a plate. And just quickly, before because I know you got to go in a minute, just to go back to one other thing you said about if Sarah has a bad game, what kind of reception is he going to get? Is he going to start getting slagged off? In I've, I've been following Arsenal now, been an Arsenal fan for nearly forty years from when I was a kid, and one you thing that I've learned is cunt. that any prospects. I know, 46 <laughs> years old, mate, 46. 46, 46. Yeah, one favorite. thing I've learned, though, yeah. <laughs> um, one point is that academy prospects always get more time and leniency than mm. if with someone like Pepe, for example. Very true. Spent a lot of money on them. They will always get more leniency, and I, I can almost guarantee that Saka will get an awful lot of leniency because we can all tell how good he is and i've read a lot of comments from liverpool fans i didn't mean to a message that was on twitter and i thought it was funny and i clicked on it and i read the, the thread underneath it and it was so many liverpool fans all wanting Saka to jewel a lot of them were saying that if we could get him for 50 million quid i'd do it 50 million already and a lot of them were saying that he's already better than Andrew Robertson. I can, I can oh. guarantee. Honestly, I was my mouth dropped. My mouth dropped open, mate. I believe it. Um, so when you hear other fans talking about Bukayo Saka, like it, you know, you realise he, he, the kid, really is the real deal. Um, um, I know, you, like I said, you've got to go in a minute. I just want to get your thoughts very briefly on the next four games we've got. In the league are West Ham, Brighton, Southampton, and Norwich. In your opinion, what? How many points are we going to get out of those next twelve? Um, the next four games out of a possible twelve. One sec, let me kiss my wife goodbye. Bye. Uh, important, important things in life. Important things lovely. in life, Andrew. Um, yeah, how many points should Absolutely. we get? Absolutely, you should have given how her many- a cheeky little squeeze. Of- <laughs> um, how many points should we get? I, I actually think it it would not be like I said for a, for a guy who hasn't been super 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 impressed. Or I haven't been enjoying the football very much. Not that I haven't been enjoying the victories and I haven't been enjoying the goals, but for someone who hasn't been enjoying the football uh, a huge amount, um, I would like to think that those are four very, very winnable games. Four very winnable games. Now, I don't know which one of those or two of those are going to give us problems. I don't foresee a loss in those four games. 
I wouldn't be surprised if there was one or two draws in there, though. And again, it comes back to what I was sort of saying a little bit earlier on. I think we really struggle against teams in a low block. Um, Southampton had already given us troubles this season. I think Norwich had given us troubles this season as well. You know, I think West. I think we should walk over West Ham. They're a shit team. They're just a shit team. Like, I don't know what else to say about West Ham, but there's there's just mm. not a lot anywhere in that team that's a particularly well constructed team or 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 really good players. So I I think we should shit that in. I think the good thing about that is if we shit that West Ham game in, I will say this. If we win that West Ham game and we win that West Ham game well, I can foresee us taking maximum points because I, I can I can see a momentum mm. shift coming at Arsenal now and the goals starting to come at Arsenal and the fun starting to come back. And I think that there are good enough players now attacking third and there are enough goals in our team that we should be able to run over these teams. So I'm going to go with, uh, now I've talked myself into it, three wins and a draw, I, I think in the four games. I think we should be able to pull tel- 10 points out of that. And I think at the end of that, we'll be in the top six. I um, I totally agree. And I thought that um, the exact same thing about what you just said about the West Ham match, that's exactly the reason why I thought the Everton match was such an important game. And it was so important to beat Everton. Because I thought if we could just about get the three points from Everton, it makes it the start of a winning run. Three games on the trot. I think you can call that the start of a winning run, and we, which is what we've got. And I think going into these four games now with a lot of momentum, you could see what it meant to the players at the end of the matches, um, at the end of all three matches, but especially the Premier League ones. You can see, see what it meant to them to win those. And I really think that we've got that momentum now. And I can I can see us getting maximum points for all of the games. I really can. But I'd be very happy with what you said. If we got 10 out of the 12, that'd be incredible as well. Do you agree with me? You think see. it would be top and six? The, the amazing thing is, sorry, is... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think we will. Because the amazing thing is they're all playing it each other mm. in the next few yep. weeks and I think it's uh, Tottenham are playing Wall, uh, I believe and Man City you've got Man United yep. so draws, draws, we're mate. Claw we need draws everywhere that's what we have to be barracking for we need draws, yeah. we need everyone to drop two points each well I, I want apart from Spurs I want them to lose except Spurs, game. we want Spurs to lose 10-0 yeah <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Uh, all right, Andrew, podcasting. <laughs> anyway, I know that you've got to leave. podcasting needs to be done. Yes, well, uh, we should say this offline, off air or whatever, but I know you've got to shoot. But we need to get in touch about what we spoke about recently as well. So if you're around tomorrow, maybe we can do that. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we, we're going to start about... putting out on, on both of our channels, to putting out some feelers to see if people are interested in this idea. Andrew and I have come up with this idea for next season that we want to do like a like a 606 phone-in kind of a show. So instead of you guys just putting in your comments each week, we want, we're want we thinking about doing a monthly show where you guys put in your comments. The best comments then 
we want to invite you guys onto the show to ask a, a panel of Arsenal guys your question for them to have a debate. So we're kind of thinking about doing this 606 phone-in where we might get sort of like 10 different people through the show over the course of an hour and they get to ask our panel. They have guys like me on, guys like Andrew on. We'll bring in some of our other contacts from other podcasts and and see if we can maybe get some some, you know, kind of Arsenal personalities on there as it goes. But I'm really interested to see what your fan base thinks, what our fan base thinks, if they want to get their faces, because the whole thing is not a ring-in show, it's a video-in show. So uh, we'll get to see your big, dumb, ugly Arsenal supporting heads right in the middle of our screens, and, <laughs> and we can have a debate and have it out. I think it's got legs, Andrew, but I think we just got to work out how I think so, we're actually yeah. going to do it. Yep. And uh, I'm be happy to host it. Like, Instead of 606, we can call 69. <laughs> uh, very, very good. All right. All right, Andrew, I've got to go give my confessions yeah. to Mandy over on the Ars Bros. Take care, mate, and I'll uh, catch up with you maybe tomorrow if you're around and uh, we can have a yeah. chat. Thanks a lot for coming on. Thanks. Too easy, pal. Nice to not have an echo. <laughs> Take care. Cheers, mate. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you to Max. And you can get hold of him on Twitter, which is at AskBrossRant. At AskBrossRant. And, um, yeah, let us know what you think about that idea about having a 606-style calling. Um, we are going to – we're just pushing the idea around at the moment. It's something I could host uh, as a dual sort of – branded ass brothers and uh from dull square to where show so yeah let me know if you think that's going to be a good idea now we're just finishing up then i uh just reiterate the next four games in the league are west ham at home brighton away southampton away norwich at home and i think that after that everton game and hopefully fingers crossed Two more wins coming up against Olympiacos and Portsmouth. I'm really confident that the momentum is there, that we are getting um, 12 points out of those next four games. I'm sticking my neck out and I'm going to say that we are going to get 12 points coming up. Um, and that will put us right back in the mix because, as I said, the teams above us are, are going to be playing each other over the next coming few weeks. And um, it's an excellent opportunity for us to claw a lot of points back um, coming up. So fingers crossed, we're going to be in a fantastic position by the end of uh, March, going into the real nitty gritty end of the season. So if anyone wants to put any questions in the comments box before I go, and please do, I am uh, available for an, another few minutes before I sort of hang up the microphone for the night. As I said, I was—I didn't think I'd be able to get a uh, show on tonight, which um, is due to a lot of technical issues that I've had with a new computer that I've bought. Um, and my internet connection is all good. I've, been, I've tested it all and it's all been good. And then it comes to the live show and I was been getting terrible lagging. And I didn't think I was going to be able to do a show tonight. So thanks to ever so much for Max for coming on. Sorry to the other guests. We're going to try it again next week. 
But um, if anyone's got a last, any last-minute questions, then put them on. Rohan, Birdie, thanks for your question. Run, Rohan underscore Birdie. Hopeful for fourth or fifth. I am. I really am because I can see us clawing back quite a few points this the, over the next four games, Rowan. And as I mentioned, West Ham, Brighton, Southampton and Norwich. Southampton are on a decent run, but that's going to be the hardest out of those four games as far as I'm concerned. And I'm, I really can see us getting four wins. I really can. And with the surprising sort of fixture list, the way it's worked out over the, the next uh, few games. As I said, the Wolves are playing Spurs this weekend, I believe. Man City are playing Man United. I can't remember who Chelsea are playing, but they're also playing one of the teams um, in to sort of the top end of the league as well. So they, they're all going to be clawing points off each other. And um, I can only see us getting good results over those uh, next coming four games. I'm not even going to think about fifth place being available for the Champions League, though, Rowan. I'm really not. I mentioned earlier on in the show that I think that Man City won't won't rest until it's that ban is gone. Uh, I could see them even overturning the entire FFP rule, if I'm honest. I can see them actually really going for it with UEFA and trying to get that whole thing overturned as legal um, with the thought that what right in any in any other industry, no business will be told what they can and can't spend their own personal money on. And I think they're going to argue about FFP being illegal, that they should not have restrictive trade. And I've got a bit of sympathy as far as that's concerned. Although I am, I hate Epic, um, Man City and all they've done to football um, and Chelsea. It, it, and I hate it because it makes it far less competitive. And I hate it all it stands for. But at the same time, I do think that FFP is stupid in the fact that no other, like I said, no other industry can you stop people from spending money the way that they want to improve their business. At the end of the day, Man City is a business. The owners can, are, are very, very rich. Why should they not be able to spend their money the way they want to? Um, the, the big thing that I've got is that if FFP was to be scrapped, then it should be replaced with a rule whereby if someone like a, a big oligarch takes over Newcastle, for example, then the rule should be that they should have to pay up front a, an amount of money which ensures the survival of the club for a minimum of two years. And that includes all of player wages, etc., etc., ahead. And that should be paid up front and kept in like a, a trust fund type thing in case they decide to walk away. And that then means that it, it secures the financial future of the club for a minimum of two seasons. 
And if that was to be the case, then that is a far, far fairer way of doing things. And it will put off a lot of people from doing this in the first place. And it means that they have got to put their money where their mouth is and not just walk off and leave the club in turmoil and ruin the club like they the, the owner did with, with Berry. I've got a lot of sympathy with, with the fans of these clubs like Berry, um, whereby the owners use them like a, a real life game of football manager, get bored or run out of money and just bugger off and leave the club in financial turmoil and as in Berry's case, put them out of business altogether. So in my thoughts, for scrap FFP, but bring in a trust fund type situation, which has to be paid upfront on takeover of the club, whereby it gives a, a financial figure that secures the club's future should they decide to walk off. A non-refundable deposit, if you like. That's my thoughts on it. Um, Rohan, again, in that case, next round onwards, if we get a good draw, time to prioritise Europa and FA Cup over um, Premier League. No, I, I think we've got a big enough squad whereby rotation of two or three players per match as needed, as required, like he is doing, Arteta, we could... We can quite comfortably cover the Premier League. Only 11 games left and the remaining games in the Europa League with a full, you know, a full strength team at that point. The squad is big enough now. We've got a lot of players. And if we're going to rotate, then it should be in the FA Cup, which has to come third. And we see the list of priorities. As much as I love the FA Cup, we've got to get Champions League if we can. And the Premier League is very, very doable. Only seven points back to claw back after 11 games is, is very doable, considering how Chelsea, City, sorry, Chelsea, Man United, Spurs especially, are so inconsistent. So I think we're, we're going to be much more consistent than those three, at least, from now until the end of the season. And um, I can see us clawing that back. So we've got to stay strong in the Premier League. And we've got the squad to be able to navigate the final, the last 16 of the Europa League as well. Just bring a player there uh, as and when necessary. So, no, I would definitely not put a weaker team out in either competition apart from the FA Cup. I would uh, definitely rotate as far as that's concerned. So thank you ever so much for everyone that's uh, listening to this back after the events happened. Thanks to everyone that's given us a watch this evening as well. Thanks for the questions, Rowan, especially as well. And many, many apologies for being late and for not being as advertised um, because of these technical issues. I assure you I'm working on everything I possibly can to get this sorted. And the episode for today will be back next Wednesday, all being well. So once again, thank you to everyone. Please give us a like on this video. Please subscribe. Please tell your friends. 
And for those listening uh, to the podcast version of this show, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to just help us get this show out there to a few more people. And um, that would be really appreciated. I think all of us, Arsenal Podcasts, let's support each other. Let's get this Guna fan working for each other. And let's get this, you know, content of each other's out to as many people as possible. Thank you to everyone again. All the best, and I'll see you again next week. Goodbye.